This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we are just days away from Game 1 of the 2017 National Lacrosse League Final. This week on the show, we have a very limestone-heavy edition of the podcast. John Arlotta takes a page out of the Bruce Urban Halftime Playbook, and the Heritage Cup is coming back. All that more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fan, and welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. Have you missed lacrosse? Like, NLL lacrosse, that is? Because with everything out of the way, we can now focus on the big day. As always, my name is Teddy Jenner. I haven't changed it, nor have I changed my email address or my Twitter handle where you can get a hold of me, teddy.jenner.com at gmail.com or on Twitter, at Off the Crossbar. Today on the show, we'll hear from two former Limestone Saints players as their college won the D2 National Championship again. I think that's three and four years. Shane Jackson of the Swarm and Mike Messenger of the Rush will stop by. As mentioned, we are just days away. Everybody involved in the National Crossing front offices and members of certain teams and a lot of GMs were in Boston over the weekend for the NCAA Final Four. Congratulations to everybody who was there putting on all the efforts, um, both from the NLL standpoint and, of course, everybody from the NCAA who did an outstanding job of hosting another fantastic Final Four weekend. Well, I guess technically not the Final Four weekend anymore, but the final few teams. What games we saw over the weekend, though? The semifinals, uh, the women's final, the D2 and D3 final, even the D1 final Monday, all of the games were absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure one day there will be a way for Canadians to be able to watch those games live without having to pay for a website streaming app or a Cody box. Like, I remember... Growing up and watching the NCAA Final Fours, or at least the championship game, on ABC. It doesn't happen anymore. And it's frustrating. And I'm angry. But thankfully there's Twitter. And people who have online links and all that stuff. So uh, It was a great weekend in Boston for everybody that was there. Um, but now we focus, shift focus to the National Lacrosse League Finals, which get underway Sunday, 5.05 Eastern time down in Georgia. Swarm, Rush, Game 1. Game 2, the following Saturday in Saskatoon, and then Game 3, if necessary, will be the following Sunday back in Georgia. Now, the question is, do I think this will go three games? I do. Um, I think these two teams are going to put on an absolute rock star clinic of lacrosse. Uh, you have two of the best offenses in the National Lacrosse League, two incredible defenses, uh, two of the best goaltenders in the game right now, two very tactical coaches. So I think we're going to see a very, very hard-fought chess match of a lacrosse series coming up starting on Sunday. 
And I truly can't wait. I know it's been a long time, and I know, you know, when we talked to Nick Sakevich and I played you some of the audio last week, you know, he wanted this extra week not only to not coincide with the NCAA finals, but also to give players extra rest, but also to give teams more chances to sell tickets. For the Swarm, it gives them an extra two weeks. For the Rush, it gives them an extra three weeks. So hopefully there will be a fairly big crowd on Sunday in Gwinnett. But for those of you who can't make it, of course, you can always watch it on NLL TV. That's where I'm going to be watching it because as of yet, I haven't gotten the personal invite from the commissioner to sit in his box and fly down with him on his private jet. I don't even know if he has those things, but I haven't gotten the invite. Not really surprised, though. Would have been nice. Just saying. I'd love to have been down there. I, I There was one place I haven't been in the National Lacrosse League, other than New England, is Georgia. But we move on. Let's focus on this game. Because we have a um, two guys that we're going to hear from that will be playing in the game uh, that are fairly familiar with each other from their time at Limestone, uh, bookending each other's career. But these two teams faced off earlier in the season, and I don't think we can put too much merit into that first game. Because if we do that, it's not fair, mostly because both teams have changed since then. And when you look at it just from a visual standpoint of the rosters, both rosters have changed. And, you know, you can't exactly say, oh, the Swarm beat the Rush 18-10 way back in week two and expect that to be how it's going to go here in the first game of the season for the Rush. It's just not. So I think we need to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, Yes, they played quite well, did the Swarm. Um, The Rush were without Aaron Bold in that first game. Uh, Tyler Carlson got the start. And even, you know, Brody McDonald got the start for Georgia in that game. Mike Poulin had to come off the bench and play reliever. So uh, it's going to be different. We are going to see two different clubs from that game way back. But I have a feeling we are going to see some fantastic lacrosse. Actually, I have no doubt we are going to see some fantastic lacrosse. Expect both coaches, Eddie Como and Derek Keenan, to go deep into the playbooks, um, use their depth uh, of their rosters if they have to going into games two and maybe even game three. But when you look back at that first game, you know, it was 4-3, it was 8-7, and then in the second half, Georgia took over outscoring Saskatchewan 10-3 in the second half. And I don't expect that's going to happen this time around. I think we're going to see lots of goals. I think we're going to see great defense. But I think it is going to be a huge chess match between the coaches. Um, Two guys who are very familiar with each other. Um, Two guys who will be working on the Heritage Cup Canada team. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I don't think there's not a lot 
to decide between these two teams overall throughout the regular season. They were the top two scoring offenses in the National Lacrosse League. Georgia putting up 266 goals for Saskatchewan, 231. They both gave up under 213 goals. They match up very, very well. Um, like we said, you know, Mike Poole and Aaron Bold, two guys very familiar with each other in their time playing for Edmonton and Calgary, Saskatchewan and Calgary. Offenses both fairly even when you think about it. Sure, Georgia put up a ton of numbers, 35 more goals during the regular season. But this is a rush team that can put up numbers in bunches. Uh, both offenses are score by committee. Committee, Sure, Lyle and Mark are the number one guns, but the depth of both rosters is just incredible. No one team has a decided advantage out the front door. At the faceoff dot, Jeremy Thompson, Jordan McIntosh will probably be a very pivotal battle between the two. And I know a lot of people still put a lot of faith in faceoffs don't mean a whole lot. I think faceoffs mean a ton, especially in the series where possession is going to be crucial. Momentum is going to be crucial. For the Swarm, they need to get however many fans are going to be inside that arena. They're going to need them on their side, on their feet, loud and boisterous as often as possible. For the Rush, they need to take that crowd out of the game, make that place as silent as possible, and keep possession and control the tempo. The transition game, I might give a bit of an advantage to the rush in transition, um, but that doesn't mean that Georgia doesn't like to run the ball or can't run the ball because they can. I think Georgia is a great... The thing is, is the rush's transition game looks to score a lot. Messenger, Cornwall, Corbeil, those guys always are looking to go to the net. Conversely, when Georgia runs the ball, they like to get deep in the offensive zone, but then those guys want to get off the floor and let their offense take over. Not that that's a bad thing, because they have the be- one of the best offenses in the National Lacrosse League. So while the Rush like to push and score, the Swarm really like to push and then settle. So that's why I kind of give a bit of an advantage to the Rush transition game. Defensively, that's a tough one because the rush defense has been so cohesive over the past three years with their anchors of Midsky, Corbeil, Rubish, Dilks. That's a steady, solid group. Adrian Sorichetti has been there for a few years. Cornwall has been there. And their cohesion, their experience, and just their... Ability to play as a group, I think, gives them a bit more of an advantage over the Swarm. And the Swarm's defense is one I've always kind of had a little asterisk beside all year, of one that I've never really been too sold on. But I think that kind of works in Georgia's favor. Um, They're not exactly a no-name defense, but I think when you compare the names and the defenses side-by-side, you would have to give a bit of an edge to the Rush. However, in this kind of scenario 
in this kind of situation of a best of three final, experience is going to be huge. And the fact that the Rush have been to this will be their third straight final. I think it's like three and four, three and four or three and five years. I can't remember uh, the one year they went with the Rush and lost. But this is a group that understands the situation. And Derek Keenan, Keenan has had them at a very even keel all year. Not worrying about the three-peat. Not worrying about past successes. Just focusing on the game at hand. Not worrying about off-floor stuff. Just worry about the guys in the room and do your job. And I think that's where they get sort of the bigger advantage. Eddie Como's group has a group of guys that have never really been able, have never really even been this far in the playoffs. As an organization, they've never been this far in the playoffs. So this is a group that doesn't have championship game experience. I think they might only have two guys. Obviously, Mike Poulin has been there. Johnny Powis has been there. And Jordan Hall has been there. So they have three. And if I'm forgetting some of the other guys, I apologize. But that's not a lot of NLL championship experience. Sure, they may have Minto or Man Cup or MLL or college, whatever it may be. But NLL championship game experience, obviously a heavy favorite are the Rush because the only players that haven't been to a championship game on that team are their rookies. So, check mark in the box of advantage to the rush. I think the biggest thing I'm going to be watching, and I kind of talked about this earlier, is going to be the matchup between Derek Keenan and Eddie Como. Two of the greatest coaches our sport has ever seen. Two legends of their craft. And two guys who have been this around this league since the early days have seen it blossom from a spandex, heavy American league to a run-and-gun style, fast-paced, new-aged NLL. And not only is it going to be between them, but it's going to be um, Dan Latasseur versus Jimmy Quinlan and it's going to be Scott Ferris versus Jeff McComb. Like all those little battles, offense versus defense, coach versus coach, you know, figuring out what Latticeur is doing with that swarm offense and Jimmy Quinlan trying to figure out how he can slow them down. Sean Ferris trying to figure out what Jeff McComb and the rough offense are doing and try to slow them down. There's going to be different situations throughout this series where you may not see a guy in his normal role just because of what that situation provides. And that's what's going to make this series so special. And I think because we have the matchup of the two best teams in the NLL, it sets up for what should be a fantastic showcase of National Lacrosse League skill, Speed, finesse, grace, toughness. And if you are near a TV, watch it. 
If you are near Gwinnett, get to it. If you're near Saskatoon, get to it. Because you're not going to want to miss this series. It is going to be absolutely fantastic. As mentioned, we have two great guests on the show this week. Uh, They are both former Limestone Saints. Saints winning the national title this weekend in Boston. And both players very proud of their alma mater. That's Shane Jackson and Mike Messenger. Caught up with both of them earlier on Tuesday. And the first question I asked Shane Jackson was, with this two-week layoff, has it been hard to stay focused and keep the mind on task? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm sure for both teams, both guys, both teams have some guys that are, you know, might be banged up a little bit. So the extra week will help with, uh, you know, rest. But we're definitely excited to start playing. What's been the biggest focus for you? Is, is it keeping your stick in your hand? Is it, is it keeping your mind right? Is it a combination of everything? What's been the biggest challenge for you over these this little two-week break? Uh, just, you know, not overthinking the game, I'd say. Just, yeah, you know, go about your week and go about your days as you normally would because at the end of the day, it's a lacrosse game. We've played, you know, hundreds before. So, um, you know, you just want to get your make sure your uh, body's in the best shape it can be in and, you're ready to go. How much do you guys look back at that first game of the year where you guys played Saskatchewan in Georgia? Um, how much do you look at that game as film for this coming game, or do you kind of forget about that game and maybe watch more recent Saskatchewan games for film? Yeah, I don't think we'll look too much at the game we played because, you know, both teams are, you know, different. Same, pe- same players on the team, but they're mm-hmm. you know, playing a lot differently now, so we're – you know, we'd focus more on their their recent games that they've played because, you know, you each team as the year goes on, everyone's uh, you know progressing. So um, we know that first game was a long time ago, and, and it'll be uh, uh, you know a different challenge this series. How fun has this year been for you with with the offensive guys that you've added, Jordan Hall, and, and now the Thompsons are, are getting their feet comfortable in the National Lacrosse League, and you're now considered one of the sort of wily vets on that offensive end. How fun's this year been for you down in Georgia? Uh, it's been a blast this year. You know, we got Halsey, you know, Mike Poole, and then Rannigan, mm-hmm. and they came in. And it was like they've been on the team for years already. So, um, you know, we're, everyone's just – it's been a blast this year. Everyone's been having fun. I think that's translated to the floor this year, which is, uh, you know, great to see. I think teams that always play well together and do well together, teams that are really close – bonded on and off the floor uh, i hear you're in charge of the team's social media yeah Is that right yeah yeah and jordan yeah. hall is the head of the kangaroo court yeah i'm my i'm in charge of finding uh any fines through social media <laughs> so if a guy messes up on the social media i find him but uh uh i've been fined myself for not getting any fines because <laughs> i haven't really been paying attention to so i've been fined myself who, who, who's the guy that's been fine the most? Been fine the most? Um, I'd probably say Jordan McIntosh. Any time, any chance you can, any chance we get to find him, we take that op- option. So, and Halsey doesn't let anything slide from him. No, so, of course uh, not. I'd say I'd say Mackey's been fine the most, which I love seeing. <laughs> What's the most egregious fine you've handed out this year? Um. What was it? Uh, well, Laddie got fined a couple of weeks ago for retweeting something for 
uh, who was it? Uh, Graham Osick, because that's Laddie's little Laddie's little son. So he, <laughs> he retweeted something, so he got nabbed for that. Yeah. Um, what are some other ones? Uh, I can't even remember. There's been some funny ones. Oh, Mike Mike Pullen was holding my gear for a week and. He did a little photo shoot with my stick, and when I got my stick back, the pocket was all messed up, so I had to ding him up for that. <laughs> that, that makes sense. But yeah. is that is that is that you know all those little things, the kangaroo cord and the fines, are all things that help bring a team closer together. Who's been the guy that's tried to fight the fines the most? Uh, we had a guy. So you, if you get fined, you can throw a challenge flag. You yeah. get one a year unless you uh, are successful and. Sean Young, he got uh, he he left for team later in the year, but he challenged and um, he lost. But we had a uh, also a challenge for someone was doing someone's laundry and they messed it up or lost something. Yeah. So Alex Krepensek threw his challenge flag, and Mike Poulin was uh, the lawyer for Liam Burns, <laughs> and they and Mike Poulin brought a great case to uh, the table, and they were uh, able to win that. Uh, they were able to win that. Uh, awesome. <laughs> that, yeah. That's so hilarious. Um, yeah. And, and that's, you know, those are the little things that help bring teams close together. You guys went on a great trip to Nashville as a group. You guys had guys with cut-off sleeveless cowboy shirts and guys were getting cowboy boots. How close is this team? And is it a, the closer team, closest team you've seen uh, than in years past? Yeah, uh, I'd, yeah, I'd say it was probably one of the closest teams I've ever been on, which has been a blast. We went down and uh, to Nashville and had a team trip. Everyone got cowboy boots, and uh, we went to the Predators game, and it's you know it's all in good fun. Anytime you yeah. get, you know, get the whole team together and have a great time like that, I think it's only going to make you closer. And uh, that's I'd say it's a big reason why we're having success this year. You talk about the addition of of Rannigan and Halsey, but how big has the addition of Mike Poulin been? Uh, to your back end, to have a goaltender that gives you consistent 12 minutes, which is probably something you guys have been lacking in the past. Yeah, I mean, Pooley came in, and um, I've never really seen a goalie step up and, you know, be vocal at times during the room, and he comes in, he's not afraid to do that. And, uh, you know, he's been in the league 12 years, and he knows what it's – he's been there and lost, so he he knows what it's like to, uh, you know, get there and lose. And, um, he's just been a great calming factor in his play, uh, especially this past month, month and a half, has been unbelievable. How fun is it playing with the Thompsons? It's a lot of fun. You know, our our whole offense is fun. It's not yeah. the funnest part is not just one guy. Everyone's just moving the ball. So, um, you know, anytime you, anytime someone, anyone on the offense can do different things and set picks and people, everyone doesn't need to have the ball. They can play without the ball and, um, it's just, you know, it's just a blast that way. Uh, you, you've been one of the few guys that have found yourself sort of transplanted down to the Georgia area. Um, how, how you know, people look at the stands of the games and they, realize, and they say, oh, you know, the people aren't supporting the Swarm and they're not coming out. But, you know, what's the buzz around Georgia when, when you're down there at the school you work with coaching lacrosse? What's the buzz around town about pro lacrosse and the Swarm? You know, the people that are in the lacrosse community obviously love it down there. Yeah. Um, but um, I think where our arena is located, it's definitely tough for, especially on a Friday night with the Atlanta traffic. Anyone that's been down to Atlanta knows what it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's tough to get out there for a 7 p.m. game on a Friday night. You know, 
and that's why um, you know our crowds get a little bit better on Saturdays. But mm-hmm. um, I'd say the people in the Little Cross community, you know, love us, and uh, they also love the Atlanta Blaze down there also. So yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot going on lacrosse wise down there. And, um, the, the people in the game are definitely supportive. What's been the message from from Coach Como this week? as you guys get closer and closer to game one and the NLL finals? Uh, just, you know, we can't just worry about what we can control. Uh, that's yeah. what Eddie's been saying all year. And, um, I think it's, I think it's pivotal that you do that because you can't, can't control the other team. You can't control wrestling. All you can do is control what, uh, you know, is in your power. And that's what we've been trying to focus on all year. Do you expect anything different from the rush? Are you guys planning for any surprises? Are they kind of a team that when you look at them and you look at the film, they are what they are? I think it's, you know, they, you know, them, them being the two-time defending champs, I don't think there's going to be surprises because um, they've basically had the same team for the past yeah. three, four years. So, um, you know, they, and they've been consistently the best team all, all those years too. So um, I don't think there's going to be too much surprise, but, um, you got to be ready for everything, but um, you know we know what they bring, and uh, they have great defense and great offense, so um, it'll be a good challenge. Has there been a lot of chatter between uh, you and some of your boys on that rush team? I know you're pretty close with Mark Matthews, and obviously you have a good relationship with Mike Messenger and some of those guys. Are a little chirping going on back and forth, or is it kind of code silence now? Uh, I mean, not not too much chirping, but anytime you know, I'll get a. I get a chance to stick on my will. I'm just kidding, but um, no, it's just uh, no, it's just you know, no chirping. But um, yeah. you know, I, I know both both sides really want to win, and they'll do whatever they can to help their team win. So, um, but after the game and after the series, we'll go back to being friends. But um, for now, it's it's pretty uh, pretty quiet. It is championship weekend uh, for you guys. Game one goes Sunday, but were you watching? Uh, your limestone saints on the weekend uh, win another national title. I was watching through Twitter. I couldn't yeah. uh, get get the feed going, but yeah, I was watching through Twitter. And um, you know, I'm ha- I don't know too many guys on the team now, but um, I know the coaching staff very well, and mm-hmm. uh, um, I know how good of a coaches coaches they are with uh, JB Clark and Brennan Story. So I was really happy for them, and um, obviously for the kids uh, that are in the school right now to. You know, it's definitely a hard uh, feat to win one, so um, I was definitely uh, proud of them. Are Gaffney and and where the Swarm play now, are they fairly similar cities, kind of smaller uh, towns, or are they completely different? Uh, I'd say they're completely different. Um, Gaffney, there's really, um, I wouldn't say too much going on there. I think there's there's one kind of main street with a bunch of restaurants and, um, different stuff like that, but it's uh, it's a really small town. So mm-hmm. um, when you when you're there, you kind of stick to the guys on your team, and you're, you're always hanging out as a team, which uh, I think brings uh, them closer together going down there. And then um, where we play, it's kind of there's no really downtown where we play, so it's uh, yeah. different in that kind of sense. What makes the 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 Limestone Saints program so good? Um, I'd say. I'd say the I mean the coaching staff to be able yeah. to bring uh, consistently bring top end players to their program and um, you know at the start um, when I got there there's a bunch of Canadians so um, you know I think 
anytime you're with a bunch of Canadians like yourself, the chemistry and all them like kind of just seems to click right away. So, mm-hmm. um, and then the other guys that like from all over the place, they just, I think that they just bring in the right people and then they have the right people in the program coaching and, um, high up in the offices. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think they just do a good job with, you know, being yourself and just worry about playing lacrosse down there. Well, yellow and blue for the Saints get a win and another national championship. And I'm sure the yellow and blue of the Swarm would like game one to go your favor on Sunday. Shano, always a pleasure catching up, man. Uh, best of luck this weekend and have some fun. Thanks, Teddy. Good talking to you again, buddy. There is Shano Jack of the Georgia Swarm. And that kangaroo court is a tough situation to get yourself in and out of. Now, if you don't know what the kangaroo court is, uh, essentially, it is the team's judicial system. And every team runs it differently. But oftentimes, there is a judge, a jury, prosecutors, the whole nine. And little things like that go a very long way in bringing teams closer together. I remember I was playing senior for the Shamrocks one year. It was, I think it might have been my rookie year. And I had a fine that I wanted to fight. And I enlisted the services of, I believe it was Rob DeZormo as my lawyer. And so we brought my case to the kangaroo court. I think Darren Rizek and Bruce Alexander and John Hamilton, or sorry, Grant Hamilton were the presiding judges. And they said, okay, Mr. DeZormo, what is your client's case? And he literally said, my client's guilty. Find the man. And I was like, what? No, I don't want to be fined. So I paid my fine. It was like, I think it was a case of beer and 20 bucks to the kitty or something like that. But um, little things like that go a really long way in bringing teams together because one, it's all in good fun. Two, it keeps guys accountable. And three, it's just a great way to build up the pot for the year end. So... Um, I like the fact that Shane doesn't hold back in finding coaches and players and um, Jordan Hall running the kangaroo court is very poignant on making sure that nothing slips through the cracks. So I love the kangaroo court. It's one of the the best things out there because everybody is always going to try to fight their fine. They all always will have some excuse and a reason why they did it, whether it be retweeting something, missing a practice, not wearing proper attire, whatever. And 90% of the time, if you fight your case, you're not winning. But that's just the whole point. You shouldn't win. If you get fined, suck it up, take the fine like a man, and move on. We're going to get to the story of Mike Messenger and a fine that I know he got when I play you the audio, but when Shane Jackson came into the National Lacrosse League, there was a lot of hype around him um, as a young left-handed crease guy uh, with soft hands, a velvety touch, and a great you know quarterback awareness. When Mike Messenger came into the National Lacrosse League, I think people, I actually, I don't think people truly understood what kind of a man-child he was. And I have seen him play um, since his intermediate days and his junior days. And I've kind of watched him grow up. 
and I've always he's always had this aggressive aggressive side, a very hard nosed, gritty nature. He, that's just his style of game. He has been the best player on his team and the toughest player on his team many times in his career. But he doesn't let one speak more than the other. He is a true all-around player. And when he came out of Limestone, there was a lot of hype that he could go number one. And if it wasn't for Ryan Keenan, there's a pretty big possibility that Messenger goes one ahead of Challen Rogers. But when Messenger was still available because The Rock took Rogers at number two, there was no doubt in Derek Keenan's mind that he was going to take Mike Messenger and add him to his stable of defensive horses. And he has fit in seamlessly. And he has just continued to blossom. And in his first year in the National Lacrosse, you can't really point any fingers to any real bad moments. He played every game, had 15 points, 86 loose balls, 21 cause turnovers, and in transition, he was just fantastic. I mean, the goal he scored in the semifinal game against, or sorry, the the final game, the West final game against Colorado, where he sprinted down the floor, ran over and muscled through Ilya Geich, got away from defender, got Dylan Ward on ice skates, and basically put it into an empty net. That goal ended up being the game winner. But it was just a perfect example of what Mike Messenger brings. Loose ball, speed, tenacity, and a great finish. And it's unfortunate that he comes into the National Lacrosse League during a year that Tom Schreiber just absolutely took the world by storm. Because if if you take Tom Schreiber out of the Rookie of the Year equation then it's a pretty good toss-up of who is going to win Rookie of the Year between guys like Keenan, Messenger, Jackson in Rochester. There are a lot of guys that put up impressive numbers in their rookie years this year, but what Schreiber did just kind of puts them all in the rearview mirror. But I guarantee you, in his time, Mike Messenger will be given his just due. And this year, he really put himself on the map. He made himself a fan favorite. And I'm sure a lot of GMs were like, man, I really wish I had that guy on my roster. I caught up with him earlier on Tuesday as well. And he's been keeping himself busy, stick in hand, going for hikes, getting out into the air just to keep his mind clear. And I asked him, what was the biggest challenge or what was the toughest thing for him going into his first National Lacrosse League season? I don't, well, for anyone, I feel like playing is pretty tough. But like, I don't know. I tried to just think of it like as any other game and yeah. play it as uh, one game at a time, not try to look too far ahead. Just try to do my job on the team and do the best I could. Were there, were there any guys that you kind of leaned on to help kind of acclimate yourself to the roles of being a professional athlete? Uh, like, growing up? No, or growing not now. growing up, but, but but now, this year, yeah. When, when you're on the rush, who are some of the veteran guys you kind of leaned on to help show you the ropes? That whole defensive group. Yeah. They're all 
so close and all like real good with each other and stuff and I felt like they helped me fit in pretty good and real quick it was nice and your game obviously translated well to, to the National Lacrosse League. Did it take you a, a game or two to kind of get yourself settled once you once you started? Oh, yeah, for sure. More than a game or two, I think. Yeah. Just when, like, because everywhere you go is, is so much different and the atmosphere is different and uh, everything. So I'm still kind of now getting used to everything about the game. How important has uh, Coach Keenan been in your maturation as a lacrosse player this year? Huge. He's a, a great coach and he knows like just like stuff he says and stuff. Like everyone has a million coaches growing up and so yeah. from him it's everything he says is something new. So it's nice to hear. This has been a, obviously a challenge with, with all the different nuances and I was talking with your captain Chris Corbeil a little bit earlier and, and he just kinda, you know, as everyone else is raving about your your progress this year, but um, he wanted me to ask you one specific question, and supposedly you didn't quite get the memo on what to wear in your first lacrosse game. Um, yeah. did, what was your outfit that you chose uh, for your very first professional lacrosse game? Uh, the team polo and a pair of jeans. <laughs> and that didn't go over too well, did it? No, no, I tried to sneak on the bus first so no one would notice. <laughs> Uh, and, and now, how's your wardrobe looking? Are you uh, uh, full style now, or are you still trying to sneak in a polo every so often? No, no, I'm. Uh, I think I'm caught up with everyone else finally. <laughs> Did they obviously busted you pretty hard for that one? Yeah, for uh, for a couple weeks there. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, last week or two weekends ago that, that game in Saskatchewan. Um, another classic battle with you guys and the and the the mammoth. Your goal ended up being the winning goal, but um, how intense was that game, and, and how did you feel throughout that contest? Every time we played Colorado, especially the last few times, it's just been nail biters, and it's, yeah. it's pretty stressful being out there. It's <laughs> yeah, like I near the, near, the, near the end there, they just they had that comeback, and at the end they had what within the last few seconds had four shots that we had blocked and saved. That was, was huge for us. Yeah. And that environment oh, yeah. in Saskatchewan is, is pretty intense, and that you guys obviously feed off that pretty well. Oh, yeah. It's insane. I've never played or seen anything like that, especially for lacrosse. It's so loud in that arena. It's uh, unbelievable. Do you have a, a favorite away barn to play in? Obviously, being your first year, you haven't played everywhere, but so far, it, not including Saskatchewan Center, what's your favorite rink to play in? Um, that's a tough one. I, I like Colorado. It's the... Uh, the turf and the jumbotron is really yeah. nice, and <laughs> they get like uh, I think the first time I played there, they had a pretty big crowd, so it was yeah. pretty cool. Did you get yourself caught up watching that big jumbotron every so often? Yeah, the pre- uh, pre-game warm-up I stayed <laughs> and looked at it for yeah. like two to five minutes. So, <laughs> um, what, what's been the best part uh, about this year for you? I think just the whole the whole experience of traveling around like. North America, pretty much, and playing uh, the game I love with uh, a bunch of people that are just like me and playing the game that they love. You obviously come from a, a great BRAC background, um, playing lacrosse in the Lower Mainland and having success there. Uh, but let's talk about your limestone Saints. We were just talking with Shane Jackson. Uh, were you following the game at all with the, the Saints in the D2 title game at all? No, yeah, I watched it. I watched it here at the house. And nice. Proud of the guys. Um, and that's, I sent out a 
uh, big message to the coach to read to the team before the game. Just yeah. congratulating them on a great season and think of that as any other game. And if you guys go in and uh, win, you guys are going to change your life and you guys will be champions. If you lose, it's just tomorrow will be another day kind of thing. Uh, I asked Shane this. What, what, what's, what makes Gaffney and the Limestone Saints program so special? Uh, I don't know. That's tough. The, uh, I guess like the, the lacrosse team is real close and stuff, and they're always, mm-hmm. no matter what we did and stuff, uh, there's community people around that kind of bought into it. That was nice. Especially yeah. in such a small town of Gaffney. I didn't expect uh, lacrosse of all sports to be something that they would enjoy to watch. So that was nice. So your lacrosse career is taking to Saskatoon, and in your first year, you get to be a part of the Russia's third straight championship final. Um, do you feel not personal pressure, but do you feel any you know anxiousness or pressure going into these games, or is that just kind of part of the norm of being a lacrosse player? I think it's part of the norm. Like if, I think yes, most players on the team are going to be a little nervous, a little anxious yeah. to be uh, playing this weekend and the following couple weekends. Mm-hmm. Any sport, it's a championship game, and no one wants to lose that. There's pressure for everyone. Has it been tough having to sit out these couple of weeks, and or would you rather have gotten the final started right away? Oh, I'd rather have got started right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's kind of uh, itching to play again in a while. So what's the message been from Coach Keenan uh, these past couple of weeks while you guys have been away from the rink? Just rest up, stay in shape, and just, yeah, keep focused on uh, – the task at hand. Obviously, you guys played the Swarm at the beginning of the year. You can't really look too much at that game because both rosters have kind of changed a little bit. But but what do you learn from from that game and and watching the film about the Swarm? What kind of team they are? Um, yeah, like you said before, that first those are both our first games and been uh, been big changes for both teams. But uh, yeah, their offense is uh, they move the ball real well, so going to be, uh, that's going to kind of be our main goal, I guess, is to throw down their ball movement and uh, just play our style defense. And how important will your transition game and, and your team's transition game be to kind of help slowing that down and kickstart your offense? Yeah, if we can get some transition points out of uh, the end, it would be, be huge for the offense to get them going and see yeah. if they can feed off that to get a, a nice run going. Are you excited? Are you excited for Sunday and, and that first game of the finals? Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm real excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Itching to play. It's been a while. Well, my man, it's uh, it's a pleasure always catching up with you. It was fantastic to watch you this year, and, and what an incredible rookie season you had. And I know there's going to be more fantastic years to come. So enjoy the next couple of days, and good luck on Sunday, buddy. Thank you. There he is, Mike Messenger of the Saskatchewan Rush. Looking forward to go toe-to-toe with fellow Limestone Saint alumni Shane Jackson. They just missed each other down there in Gaffney by a couple years. But there's so many interesting matchups in this game, and we detailed a lot of them. But I think that's just going to make this game that much more intense and that much more exciting because of the relationships that a lot of those guys have, of whether it be playing in college together or against each other have gone to the same college, uh, playing s- senior summer together. 
even former teammates in the NLL, you know, when you get to know guys so well and then you got to go up and you got to play against them, you know, it's tough because you have to be able to put that friendship aside. And that's one of the coolest things about the National Lacrosse League is because of the winter-summer seasons and the relationship these guys form between the two of them, you have to be able to put the friendships aside and go to war. Whether you're brother versus brother or best friend versus best friend, you need to be able to, as Shane said, you know, jokingly, I'm sure I'm going to stick a guy. So you got to do what it takes, and there's no hard feelings if you stick your brother. Because after it's all said and done, you're still brothers. And in the lacrosse world, there are those types of really close bonds that have to be put aside for the greater good of the team. And when these two teams square off Sunday, all those friendships do indeed get put to the side and will be set for an absolutely fantastic game one 5.05 Eastern time on Sunday, June 4th. And of course, as always, those games will be on NLL TV. Off the top, you heard me say that John Arlotta has pulled a play out of the Bruce Urban playbook. Well, indeed he did. If you are new to the hip-hop game or don't watch Fast and the Furious, that is Atlanta's own Ludacris. Luda! And the Swarm announced that he will be performing at halftime of game one. Now, I want to go there even more now. Hang on, bro, my necklace. But like Bruce Urban did in the early days of The Rush, in Edmonton, and he's done a little bit since they've been in Saskatchewan, trying to bring in outside talent entertainment to help drive in fans can work both ways. It can be a great thing. It can be a bad thing. I don't really see how this can be a bad thing for the Swarm because Ludacris is an Atlanta hero, and... If they were able to convince him to come to a game and perform at halftime, that might just kick up the attendance a few extra people. And if people are like, yo, dog, I can go see Ludacris rock out like three, four songs, and at the same time check out a lacrosse game, why not? It'll be interesting to see if that does drum up more business. Like I said, when Bruce Urban used to do it um, with the Edmonton Rush, you know, we brought in Dennis Rodman and Brooke Burke and Manhunter, Swollen Members, um, the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. He's brought the Seagals to Saskatchewan, GSP, Randy Couture. Like, he's tried all these things. And sure, sometimes it brought in a few extra people. Sometimes it didn't really even register on the radar. But with it being the finals and then bringing in one of Atlanta's heroes 
the Swarm might have just kind of found a little plus, plus, plus for anybody that's trying to think about or going to the game or trying to think about going to the game. So pretty cool to see the Luda Monster uh, going to be performing at halftime at the Swarm game. Never thought I'd actually see it. I don't even know if he's actually ever seen an indoor lacrosse game or a lacrosse game, period. But the man's going to be there. Sparkly teeth and wicked sideburns and all, he will be there. The IL Indoor Awards continue to move along. Um, we have announced the GM of the year and John Arlotta, head coach of the year and Eddie Como, and we've done uh, the unsung hero last week in Kyle Buchanan, which uh, a fantastic choice. The unsung hero award is never one you can really go wrong with. And when I say that, if you go to Isle Indoor or InsideTheCross.com and look at the article for um, Unsung Player of the Year Award, look at all the names that were listed as possible vote-getters. Out of the nine of us that vote, I think it's nine of us, um, 30-odd people garnered at least one vote and made the list. Like Kyle Buchanan winning um, with 14 points. Two first-place votes and a second-place votes. That's all he got. But it was good enough to win. Justin Salt, who was just named the Transition Player of the Year today by Inside the Cross, he got three votes, a first, a second, and a fourth, and tied him with Craig England, who had a first and two-thirds. But then you go all the way to the bottom of the list, and guys who only got one vote of... Fifth place voting stature, Eli McLaughlin, Hyanna Thomas, sorry, Hyanna Thompson, Jarrett Davis, Matthew Dinsdale, Jordan Magnuson. And then guys who got first place votes, Joe Rezateris, Cliff Smith, Ty Belanger, Tyson Bell, England, Salt, and Buchanan. It's just crazy to see the landscape of the number of people that us quote-unquote experts, as you guys all like to label us as, uh, picked. Um, Transition player of the year, sorry, that was yesterday on Monday, was Justin Salt, and he was a runaway winner of the award. 33 points. uh, He garnered Jeff Cornwall, came in second with 21. Brody Merrill and Joey Capito tied at third with 11. But Justin Salt had five first-place votes. Cornwall, who came in second, only had two. Uh, expect Justin Salt to be your transition player of the year when the NLL awards come out as well. Um, offensive player of the year was announced today. That's Lyle Thompson. Again, no real surprise there. He had six first-place votes and two second-place votes uh, to give him 38 points. Mark Matthews came in second with 26, followed by Corey Small, who had 23. More awards coming up as the week goes on as we build towards a Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, we've already done, sorry, um, and MVP. And, of course, we're still waiting for the National Lacrosse League to announce their finalists for the awards. I was under the impression that those lists of top three players was going to be out last week. We are still waiting. When those will come out, I truly have no answer for you. Um, In years past... In, in years, years past, they have announced the winners 
all this week leading up to the finals. But with their new format, they are doing sort of the NHL route, announcing three finalists, and then doing the year-end awards as they've done the past three or four years. But we have expected to see the list of three players by this time, and we don't have that. So um, we await for word from the National Lacrosse League as to who will be the nominees for the nine awards, I think it is. And we'll just wait. But truly, if we have to wait until September, why not just announce the nominees closer to September? Who knows? It's their thing, not my thing. That's how they do it. And we've got to live with it. Of course, the Canadian summer season is well underway, as we often mention here in the past couple weeks. Um, your weekly update on the weekly standings brought to you by Subway and Lacrosse Talk Magazine. In the senior A-loop, the Chiefs, who have yet to play a game, they're playing their first game actually as I record. They remain number one. The Shamrocks, 2-0. Jumped up to fourth, the second, followed by Peterborough, New West, Burnaby, Maple Ridge, and Brooklyn. Sorry, Brooklyn, then Maple Ridge. And it's funny how people look at these differently. Um, Brooklyn tweeted out, hey, look, our season hasn't even started, and they think we're sixth. High five. And then I get a text from somebody from another team, and they're upset because their team has dropped a few spots. And in jest, I get it, but remember, these don't mean anything. If you finish first, it doesn't mean you win anything. Well, at the end, it technically does, but being ranked first isn't going to get you anything special. So, take it for what it is. In the junior loop, uh, Coquitlam sits at number one at nine and one, followed by Six Nations, New West, Langley, Whitby, Mimico, Burlington, Calgary, Toronto, Barrie, and then Orangeville. Again, in the Junior League, people are upset that the Calgary Mountaineers are 5-1 and one, and they jump from 10th to 8th, yet the Okotoke Raiders, who are undefeated, aren't in there. So, again, these aren't NCAA rankings. These aren't UFC rankings. Being a top of this poll right now isn't going to help you out. Sure, it looks good when your team's near the top, and it means you have a lot to work for if your team's near the bottom. But being a top five player come or top five team come August doesn't guarantee you anything. Not like NCAA polls. So just take it for what it is, take it as someone's opinion, not mine, and move on. Finally, um, as we kind of mentioned off the top. The Heritage Cup is coming back. And it's been a while since we've seen the Heritage Cup. Um, of course, we have the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships. Um, we've had the Begataway Cup uh, before. That's a, a, a game between the U.S. and the Iroquois Nationals. Um, but the Heritage Cup coming back, I think, is a great thing. It's going to take place Sunday, sorry, Saturday, October 21st at the first Ontario Centre in Hamilton. It'll be Canada versus the USA. And I think it's going to be a great exhibition of just pure talent. 
and it's great that it's coming back. Um, Eddie Como will be the coach of the Canadian team. Reggie Thorpe coaching the American team. Um, and you are going to see um, fantastic talent, the best of the best playing. Um, the CLA has helped put this back on, and with the helps of Johnny Meridian and, and Lance ba- Basler from Team USA, you know they've done a good job in trying to make this work best for everybody. Um, Hamilton has come on board and agreed to host uh, the 2017 Heritage Cup as well as the 2018 Heritage Cup. Um, those dates have yet to be announced, but I would imagine it'll probably be around the same time. But when you have World Games and Heritage Cups and NLL and CLA lacrosse, it begins to become a lot of lacrosse. Like, we haven't seen the Heritage Cup since 2013. And I think if they're going to keep doing this, which I, I really think they should, and I would like to see it just, if they're going to do this, why not make it Canada, USA, and Iroquois, and do a three-team little mini round robin. You play everybody once. The number one seed goes to the final. Two plays three, and then one plays the winner. And then you can award that little trophy. And then you have, do that in odd years. Then you have the outdoor games, and you have the indoor games. And you can rotate those three, and then have one year that's just off. You know what I mean? And that way, you know, like 2018, if they're going to run this next year, players are going to then play in Canadian Summer, NLL, World Field Games are going to be in Netanya, Israel, plus the Heritage Cup. That's a lot. Throw in some MLL if guys pull the double. So that's why I, I don't mind the Heritage Cup. I like the idea. I would like to see it be a three-team tournament. I would like to see it um, be kind of in succession with FIL World Outdoors and FIL World Indoors, and then there can be a year where there's just nothing. But good on the CLA and U.S. Lacrosse for bringing this back. I hope it is a huge success. Um, Of course, uh, with the Heritage Cup being next year, uh, we have, or sorry, later on this year, and then next year being the World Outdoor Games in Israel, the World Indoor Games in 2019 are slated to be out in Langley. So we have a lot of international lacrosse that's going to be played over the next couple of years. And it's going to be twice in Canada, once in Israel. So lots to be excited for. But the focus of the lacrosse excitement in the world right now is on the National Lacrosse League. The championship game, game one of the finals, goes Sunday, 5.05 Eastern time, down in Gwinnett, Georgia. Get your tickets now or watch it live on NLL TV. I'm excited. Like I said, these are the times of lacrosse where I look forward to the most. Championship games and... The fact that the National Lacrosse League has a true, legit best-of-three final makes these series even more enjoyable for me. I am just a true, devout lacrosse-aholic. 
I love this game. I breathe this game. I will watch it as often as I can. And the fact that we have the number one, number two ranked teams going toe-to-toe is just going to make the next couple of weeks, maybe even three weeks, that much more exciting and the more I will look forward to them. If you happen to be in Gwinnett, please get out to the game and take a friend. If you're in Saskatoon, get your tickets now and make sure you get a couple extras for your friends. Because we need both of those barns jam-packed, bumping, and full of people. All eyes on the sporting world. Well, I don't want to say that. A lot of eyes in the sporting world will be on the National Lacrosse League final. There are going to be a lot of prospective owners watching this final. To watching to see how teams do, how markets do, how the NLL does and putting on this production of a championship series. So I hope everybody brings their A game, steps up to the plate, and hits an absolute home run. Shout out to Shane Jackson. Shout out to Mike Messenger. And of course, as always, shout out to you, the fan, for taking your time to listen in and tune in here to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. Would always love to hear from you. Who do you think will win this series? Is it going to be the rush? Will it be the swarm? Will it be a sweep or will it go the distance? I still don't know. I have some loyalty slash allegiance to the rush because I played for them. But I really would love to see the Swarm win because I played for them too. So I can't lose. Only the lacrosse world can benefit from great lacrosse, and I know we will get just that. My name is Teddy Jenner at Off the Crossbar. Teddy.jenner at gmail.com is the email. Take a friend to a game. If you take a friend, take two. The more friends you have, the more fun you will have too. Until next week, enjoy the game and be excellent to each other.